the entrance. You guys can please bring it in. We're getting ready to worship the Lord. Those that are already here, you guys can please stand as we get ready to worship Jesus. Who's excited about this morning? Come on. Amen. If Jesus has set you free, say hallelujah. I would like to invite my brother Jose Lito to come up and bring a testimony. Hallelujah. How's everybody doing tonight? Praise God. Glad to see you guys. Well, uh, my name is Jose Lito. I've been a part of Metro Praise for about eight years now. You know, coming to know the Lord before I came here, you know, I grew up, you know, being so insecure, being on depression medication, being, you know, even seeing a psychiatrist once a month. But until I got to know who God really is, until I got to surround myself with the right kind of people, I, that's when I came to know Christ eight, eight, eight years ago, back in 2006, in this very building where after service, where there was an altar call and God just totally came in and cleaned house. And so from this day forward, from that day till now, eight years, for eight years, I've been depression medication free. No more psychiatrists. The only psychiatrist I have is Jesus Christ. And my, uh, definitely my encouraging word for you guys is don't give up on God because he never gave up on any of you guys. And my, definitely my verse for this morning for you guys is Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Amen. Let's just go ahead and pray. Let's just close our eyes right now and thank the Father that his presence, his spirit is here. Amen, church. Yes, Lord God, we thank you that you fill this place with your presence. God, we also thank that you fill our hearts with your presence. Come on. God, we thank you that we can come this morning and worship. And God, that we can fill this church, this room with our praise. Just start thinking of the ways you can fill this room with your praise. As you lift your hearts, as you lift your mind, as we set this time to think of the Lord. You're not thinking of anything else, but you're thinking of Jesus and how you can lift him up. Come on, as we begin to do these things. We prepare our hearts, we prepare our bodies as sacrifices, as, as instruments of worship. Jesus, have your way in this time, in this church with everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. How many of you are ready to have some fun in church this morning? Amen. How we sing from the highest. From the highest throne to the earth below, you laid down your life for the likes of us. Great is the love of a Savior. From, from a wounded heart to a life made whole, every human heart will declare as one. Great is the love of a Savior, Lord of endless life. Let your glory shine forever. So the earth, you saw the earth, we sing your praise. 
mountain, from the mountain heights to the valleys low, all created things giving life to show. Jesus, we live for your glory. From the rising sun, from the rising sun to the still of night, every waking moment for your delight. Jesus, we live for your glory. To Lord of endless life, let your glory shine forever. So the earth, you saw the earth, will sing your praise. Sing hope, hope of every heart. Let your name be lifted higher. The soul of hearts, the soul of hearts will sing your praise. Every voice in God be exalted. We sing, God be exalted, God be exalted in everything. Yes, we live for your glory, live for your glory. We lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, sing, God be. God be exalted, God be exalted in everything. Yes, we live for your glory. For your glory, Lord of life, let your glory shine forever. You saw the earth, you saw the earth, you sing your praise. Hope oh, of every heart, let your name higher all our hearts it's all our hearts we'll sing your praise we sing God be exalted God be exalted in everything this we live for your glory live for your glory we we'll sing out God be we say God be exalted, God be exalted in everything. This we live for your glory, live for your glory. Lord of endless life, let your sing aloud this morning, church. So the earth, so the earth. Your praise, sing hope, hope of every heart, as you are, let your name be lifted higher, and all our hearts, it's all our hearts, we sing your praise, sing God be, sing God be exalted, God be exalted, in everything, we live for your glory. Live for your glory. We sing, Gabby. We sing, Gabby exalted. Gabby exalted. In everything, we live for your glory. Live for your glory. Jesus be exalted in all we do. 
sing Gabby. We sing Gabby. Holy Spirit, be lifted up in this place. Be magnified, be glorified. As we live for your glory. Live for your glory. Exalted, it's all we do. God be lifted up, God be lifted up. Oh, no other name than Jesus. No other name, no other name. There's no one higher than you. There's no one greater than you, Lord. Salvation sounds in you. Beginning as set hearts begin believing redemption's bed, redemption's bed is unrelenting. Sing your love, your love goes on. Yeah, your love goes on. I'm singing again, salvation. Salvation sounds a new beginning. Come let it fill this place. As this set hearts begin believing. Redemption's been, oh, oh. Redemption's been is unrelenting. Yeah, your love goes on. Oh, sing that out. Yeah, your love goes on. You carry us, you carry us when the world is waiting. You cover us, you cover us with your endless grace. Your love is relentless. 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 You gave, you gave the world a life. His name is Jesus, a hope, a hope that shines beyond tomorrow. Yeah, your love goes on. Yeah, your love goes on. You carry us, you carry us when the world gives way. You cover us, you cover us with your endless grace. Your love 
is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is in this church that wants to come face to face with the Lord you can look face to face into his glorious eyes oh, oh, oh. take me deeper Lord take me deeper take me further take me higher Lord take us Lord take us Lord Take us, Lord. 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 Take us. I want to look into your eyes. I want to look into your eyes. The eyes of love, the eyes of grace, the eyes of truth, oh, oh. I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you, Lord. Give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to know. Come on. 
Give us hearts to receive of this place right now. object of my faith, oh Lord, not in things I can get, but you're the object of my faith, God. I keep on coming back to the place where it's just more of Jesus. It's more of Jesus. It's more of Him. This church, let's go together this morning for more of Jesus. Any way you spin it, any way you turn it, any way you go, it's more of Jesus. Holy Spirit is only great in you, Jesus. Jesus paid it all, all to Him my own. Sin has left a crimson stain, and He washed it white as snow. And Jesus paid it Everything we have 
sin has left a crimson stain, and He washed it white as Jesus paid, and Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson sin, and He Victory this morning. Raise me up from the 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, we praise the one who's paid our debt. Come on, he's paid the bill in full. Lift your voice. He's paid your debt. Spontaneous worship in this place. Oh, yeah. God, you love the broken. God, you love the hurting. Come on, let's lift our voice here this morning.
forgiveness flowing from the blood of Jesus. There is freedom flowing from the blood of Jesus. Be set free. There is forgiveness for you today. There is freedom flowing from the cross, flowing from the blood of Jesus this morning. Will you receive it? Will you receive it? It's on you. The ball is in your court. He did what he promised to do. He did it. He finished it on the cross. He said, it is finished. It is on you, friend. It is on you this morning. Will you feel his presence? Because it is here. All you have to do is open your heart this morning. The ball is in your court. The ball is in your court. There is freedom. There is freedom flowing from the blood of Jesus. It's flowing from the cross this morning. Will you jump in? Will you say, cover me, son of God? Cover me, perfect lamb. Cover me. Be set free Be set free Be set free Be set free If you want that freedom in this place, would you raise your hands with me and sing this? Sing this, sing I am free, sing I am free. I am free. Sing, I am free. I am free. Hallelujah, sweet Jesus. Oh, your presence is so sweet. It heals the deepest parts of me. Hallelujah, God. There's none like you in this world. There's none like you, oh God. You stand alone. You stand alone, dear Jesus. You stand alone. 
there's none that can satisfy the longings of the human heart but you, oh God. You stand alone. Oh, may the fear of God be in this place. Oh, may people fear you, God, that they don't have another day to not be right. Let them believe every word that you have spoken. Let them know that you are not a man that you should lie. What you say in your word is true, oh God. Let the fear of God be on the hearts of people today. Hallelujah, Lord. In an attitude of prayer and worship, would you go back to your seats, please? any children that need to go back to the children's area, you are released now. If you are not feeling that thick presence of God in this place, there's something wrong. Not with us, not with God, but with your heart. If you are not feeling it, there is something wrong. His presence is so thick. His presence is so thick right now. My name is Lauren Zajinski. I'm a, one of the pastors here at MPI. And every week we like to present the gospel to you. Like I was saying, Jesus stands alone. See, there's many things in this world that will promise you good things. They'll promise you a future, maybe a nice career, some money. But there is nothing that promises what Jesus promises. There is nothing that gets down deep into that soul and can save you from hell, from damnation. It is Jesus Christ. He stands alone. Nobody has done for you what he has done. If you could put my scripture up, please. Hebrews 9, 14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? In the Old Testament, they used to have to bring animals, blameless lambs before God for him to be pleased when they sin. They would slaughter them. They would put the blood on the altar and it would please him for that moment. He would forgive them of their sins because it was an aroma. But then Jesus, God had a plan for humanity. Come on, pay attention to me. I know there's a lot going on. All your eyes are over there. Just pay attention here real quick. God had a plan for humanity. See, he loved you so much. He loved me so much that he sent Jesus Christ. And you know what? The blood of Jesus Christ, it satisfied the Father eternally. 
We don't have to go every day because you know we sin every day. We don't have to go every day and bring a spotless lamb because the one spotless lamb has done it eternally in heaven and on earth. It is Dover. It's finished. His blood satisfied God eternally. He was unblemished to God, to God. He lived a sinless life. And now that blood can cleanse us on the inside. We're born with a conscience inside. And many of us at times, that conscience is in turmoil. If we don't have Jesus, you're constantly fighting yourself. You're constantly fighting between good and evil. And there's things in your life that you're probably doing in secret that are so shameful if you were to bring them to the light in front of everybody. If you want to put your sin here and show everybody, you would be so embarrassed. But the Bible says that the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from those things that are leading you to death in the secret place. He can cleanse you down deep inside so that we may serve and love and honor the living God. There's a lot of little gods in the world, little G. There's only one big G. There's only one living God. There's some of you in this room who have not made that decision to live for Jesus wholeheartedly. Today is your day. Do not let it pass you by. You will regret this moment. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. And I guarantee you, if you're the one that it's not promised to and you're standing before God, you're going to remember this moment. You're going to remember my face. You're going to remember this worship service where the presence of God was so thick and you still rejected it. Say yes today. It's that easy. He gives you a way out, a way to be forgiven, a way to be set free. And if you're in this place and you're a Christian and you're on this, I sin and then I'm forgiven and then I sin and then I'm forgiven. Man, God can help you. You can be a person that has the same walk in the night as you have in the day. You can have the same walk in the secret place as you have in front of people. If you believe that with me, would you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. In a moment, we're going to have a fellowship video. We're going to have Pastor Griselda and Pastor Berto over here for prayer. And if you're feeling in your heart, even just a little tug, please come and see them during that time. They will pray with you. They will cover you. They will talk to you about discipleship, what it means to live for Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you because your forgiveness is rich, oh God. Your mercy is rich. Your grace is rich, oh God. We thank you, Lord, because you give us a way out. We are not damned to hell. You've given us a way out through the blood of Jesus, and we thank you, Abba, Father. We thank you, Abba. God, I pray that every person in this place would make it right today. I pray, Lord, that they would have a healthy fear of you, that they would know that your love for them 
is never ending, that you desire them. God, would you bless your people today? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give them some praise. All right, we're going to confess our confession of faith. If anybody needs a handout, can you raise your hand and our ushers will come around and give you one of our copies? I don't see anybody. Okay? We do this every week because this is our Christian worldview. This is what we believe. What we just did right here, that whole preaching, this is what we believe. And we're going to declare it today to every person sitting next to us, to our family members. It doesn't matter. We're going to declare this to the world. No matter what ideas you throw in our way, we believe this. We stand on this because this is truth. No matter what Christian pastor wants to start having homosexuality at the pulpit and have homosexuality accepted among Christians, this is what we're going to stand by regardless. Amen? Okay, so at the count of three, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Go ahead and greet your neighbor.
right, good morning everyone and welcome to Metro Praise International. How are you guys doing this morning? So good to see you all here. If this is your first time here, please raise your hand. Just want to see our first time visitors. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, please raise your hand and one of our ushers would like to bring you a brochure. Here at MPI, we have two main services. Sundays at 10 a.m. is our family service. Fridays at 7 p.m. Elevate. Elevate. Awesome. So that's Sundays and Fridays. And then here's a quick announcement for you. Coming up in July, July 20th, we got Pastor Glenn Badonski. Come on, we call him the Boom Boom Badonski. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have service regular time. 10 a.m., but then at 5 p.m., we're just going to go a little extra with the Lord. Come on. We just want to spend time with the Lord, go soak in his presence. It's going to be powerful. Please come on out. Bring your family members, your friends, people who don't know the Lord. Come, encounter the presence of the living God. Amen? So here at MPI, we have a vision. Somebody say vision. Of loving God and loving people, the two greatest commands. How do you think we're doing on that? Are we doing good? Are we loving God? Come on, we're loving people. And we have a discipleship strategy of connect, mentor, and send. Very simple. We want you to be connected to Jesus. Amen? And then for you to get connected to one of the life groups. Life groups are places where we share life together. So as you're getting your announcements, please take a look at the back of your announcements. We have a complete listing of what's going on. Something for everyone, single moms, marriage group, for the teenagers, someone who just wants to hang out, fun and fellowship. We got something for you. So please take a look and get connected. And so here's what's going on this week. All right, so this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., we have our King's Kids Ministry happening here at the church. Parents, you're welcome to drop off. Come on, yes. Or you can stay here with them. And actually, last Wednesday, they just did a graduation ceremony for our kiddos. It was very beautiful. We do a program called Royal Rangers and Impact. If you want your children, yes, to get connected, please talk to Pastor Susie about this. And then Friday, we have adult Bible study happening at my place. Yes. Child care is provided. We're doing things at the park. We're doing just awesome things for the Lord. So come on out Fridays at 7 p.m. And actually this Friday, the 4th of July, we're going to have a good time at the park. So please come on out and hang out with us. And then Saturday evangelism happening at 5 p.m. at the church. You want to go tell the world about Jesus? Meet here at 5 p.m. Talk to Rudy right there. Rudy, say hi. Talk to Pastor Deanna. Where is she at? Right there. Get connected. You want to share your faith. And then also, I forgot to mention, this Friday, the youth is actually moving their service from 12 to 2 because they're going to have a barbecue here uh, at the church. Come on. So, Elevate. Uh, yes. Oh, you guys are good. Uh, listen to me, Elevate. This Friday, it's happening from 12 to 2. Say 12 to 2 p.m. Yeah, so at 2 p.m., 12 p.m., come, meet. You're going to hang out in the backyard, have a barbecue. Awesome. And then after you get connected, we want to make sure that you guys get mentored. If somebody say mentored. Somebody wants to walk with you, teach you about the ways of the Lord. So after you finish your one-on-one -on -one class, you're going to go on into your 201 class with Pastor Jared. Sundays at 8 a.m. Disciples making disciples because God wants to use us. Say us. Say me. Yes. Look to your neighbor. Say you. God wants to use all of us. And that is the last part of our discipleship strategy is send. Because we have a goal, a God-given goal of 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 all around the world. Amen? You guys excited? Come on, give them some praise. And now it's time to prepare to give our tithes and offerings. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9.14. 2 Corinthians 9.14. We're in lesson number 12. Today the lesson is offerings are given by the grace of God. 
our offerings are given by the grace of God. We know that tithing is 10% of our total income. Anything that we give after that becomes an offering, is a gift unto God after our tithes and our offerings. So today, if you're with me in 2 Corinthians 9, let's read. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Amen? There's a grace that God gives us. And here, let's learn what grace means. Number one, the biblical definition for grace not only, receives, not only refers to forgiveness of sins, but also it can mean the divine favor and blessing of God to his people. Somebody say blessing of God. Come on, his grace means it's a blessing, it's, it's a, a divine favor upon us. In regards to offerings, we should consider everything we have and give to be because of the grace of God. So everything we have, everything we're able to give is because of what? Grace. Because of his favor upon us. Somebody say this, or, or just think this, or just get it in your heart. Favor is not fair. If you are under the blessings of God, if you are doing what God wants you to do and you are his child and his servant, you have that heart to bless others, come on, he's going to give you that grace, right? And then after that, number two, surpassing grace. Come on, now we got surpassing grace and abundance of it. God loves to not only bless us with grace for our needs, but also to help meet the needs of others. So when we give offerings to support the ministry, we are displaying the overflowing and surpassing grace of God in our lives. Isn't he good? He doesn't have to do anything else for us, but now he's just pouring it upon us. And number three, God gives grace. All that we have is because of God and his amazing grace. Therefore, just as we have freely received, we should freely give and be the answer to people's prayers for help. Amen? Please stand to your feet with me this morning. In summary, the grace of God meets our needs and gives us enough to help others in need. So if you want to apply this to your life, number one, be a faithful tither. Acknowledge the blessings in your life given by the grace of God and live a life of generous giving by the grace of God. Amen? I love number two. It says acknowledge the blessings. It's so easy to acknowledge the bad, right? The negative. It, oh, man, I'm, I'm lacking in this area. I'm lacking in that area. But no, stop. Acknowledge the blessings in our lives, and you will find out that you're more blessed than anything else. Amen? Let's conf confess this together over our offering. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Amen. Anytime you give your tithe here to the church, where does it go? It goes to the general fund. And again, anytime you give after that becomes your offering. You choose where that offering goes, right there on your envelope. Circle, whether you want it to go to the building or missions offerings. And this year, where are we going, guys? We're going to the Philippines. Yes, we're taking a mission trip to the Philippines. We're going to go out there and be a blessing, an abundant blessing. We're going to go overflow in the Philippines. Amen. And we're raising $20,000 for that trip. We're well on our way. We're almost halfway there. And guys, just make that commitment between you and God and stay faithful to it. Amen. Let's recite this scripture together. Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. 
Come on. Heavenly Father, we love you. We adore you. We are here because of you, dear God. And we accept that call to be a blessing. Father, we receive your grace not only for ourselves, but to be, dear God, overflowing into others around us, dear God, all over this world. So I pray for blessings upon your people, dear God. I pray for that favor upon your people, that doors would open, dear God, and doors would shut. Father, as you see fit, we thank you, dear God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you for your giving and come up as you give. Okay, if life a game, I'm the referee. I give you some and keep the rest for me. All in my mix like a recipe. Free like the cops almost arrested me. Might be a little off, no correcting me. Go straight across like intersection, please. He directed me, so till I rest in peace. I'm planning to come on. Go oh oh <laughs> Come on, put your hands in the air. Get the beat up, brother. Come on. Come on, wave them side to side. Come on, I can't hear the beat. Put it up. Now when I say Jesus, you say Christ. Jesus. When I say holy, you say ghost. Holy. Saying holy. Now oh. Oh. Metro praise. Metro. Oh, give it up for Jesus. Come on. I, I almost got Ulysses on the mic. Look at your neighbor and say you're glad to see them here. Welcome them. So good to see you here. Wow, wasn't last week so exciting with baptism service? Can we just give it up for Jesus and all of those who got baptized? I believe we had 18 baptisms, had our second largest service ever, over 220 people, family members. It was awesome. Barbecue, and now it just keeps on going. I believe God is bringing us to another level as he brings you to another level. God wants us together to grow and expand. And I know that some of us had had tough times with the recession. Maybe there's been some challenges in your family. But I hope that you're seeing good things on the horizon. That you're seeing God is still keeping his word, that he's faithful. And instead of complaining, you're praising and being thankful. And instead of being bitter of what people have done to you, you're getting better and getting healed. Is anybody living a victorious life today? Amen? Praise God. Well, open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. Once again, just an honor to have you here. Every day in the summer is like Super Bowl for me because it's like, is anybody coming? It's a really nice day. Uh, you know, we don't get a lot of these in Chicago. And so when you come, it's like, yeah, Super Bowl touchdown because church is pretty awesome, right? God should come first. Amen. And you know what? We are blessed to be a blessing. And when we come here, sometimes, you know, I'll come to church not only for myself, but for my family. And then when I'm putting that as a motive to why I'm coming here, God will bless me and do something even as I'm preaching or worshiping. But it's serving others. It's giving. It's setting an example. Amen.
So this sermon series that we're in, if you're new, is the sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most popular teachings from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're at Matthew 7 now, so we're on the last chapter, guys. Anybody getting excited about that? Finishing it out. That means you have gone through verse by verse, all of Matthew 5, all of Matthew 6. That's pretty awesome, and they're all back on the website, metropraise.org, mpichurch.org. You can go there and check it out. And now today, we are going to talk about one of the most popularly misunderstood verses of all time. Just look at your neighbor and say, don't judge me. Come on, you got to look at your other neighbor and give an ugly face like, don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. Aren't you thinking about judging me? Because if you judge me, I'll judge you, but don't you judge me. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Do not judge. Right out of the words of Jesus. Look at it, Matthew 7, 1 through 6. All of the notes, by the way, if I haven't shared this in a while, are always online, my personal Facebook and our website and the church Facebook. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same measure you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Come on, somebody say, that's serious. Amen. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eyes? Everybody get that, a big plank? Other one's got a little speck. Verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when the whole time you've got a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Jesus called names sometimes, right? We need to make a shirt like that. Jesus loved me so much. He called me names, you know, on the back. Because when Jesus calls you a name, it helps you think about what you're doing, doesn't it? Verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, I wrote a great introduction for this that I want to read. So uh, would you please put it up there, guys, and follow along as I read this, because I know a lot of your heads are turning right now, and you're thinking about this. So I want you to hear this introduction that I wrote here. Don't judge me, lest ye be judged, has become the anthem of this generation as Christ's disciples bring forth the word of God with penetrating conviction. However, could this verse really mean that Jesus wishes no one to ever be confronted with the word of God regarding their sin unless it comes from a perfect angel or God himself? There must be a better application of Jesus' words than how it's been used. Otherwise, the entire Bible would be considered vain judgment and rendered useless by the countless of examples of men correcting and rebuking other men. Accordingly, living consistently by this view of judgment, there would be no civil law, moral law, or even a parenting law in our world because all the guilty would have to do is cry out, Jesus said, don't judge me, and they would be let free to continue in their lawlessness because only God can judge them. So it is with this in mind that I want to properly teach what Jesus meant when he said, everybody say it together, do not judge. Now let's look at some of the interpretations here. Number one, do not judge means do not judge by unbiblical standards. 
See, when you look at that first part of the verse, Jesus is saying, don't judge lest you be judged, because by the same measure you judge, you yourself will be judged. So let's look at the word judge. It means to approve or condemn one's actions. Jesus is specifically talking to Jewish people who are approving of the things that God condemns and are condemning the things that God approves. Turn with me to Isaiah 5.20 and you can see this. The Jewish people had twisted the word of God and therefore their judgment was no longer valid and they were hypocritical. And I want you to see, has that happened in our culture, in society? Are we falsely judging today? Are we using an unbiblical standard? Let's look at it. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Let's look at it. Woe to those who call evil and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You see, the Bible talks about that you can change how you see things and make the wrong kind of judgment. And if you do, woe unto you. Now, follow me here. Because the Bible says, do not judge in that passage. But yet, the Bible said in another passage to judge. Go to John 7, chapter 7, verse 24. And I want to ask you a question. Is the Bible contradicting itself or is Jesus trying to teach us to make the right kind of judgment? Think about it. Is Jesus telling us to never judge or is he telling us to judge by the right standard? Because otherwise, if we judge by a false standard, by that false standard, we will be condemned. He said, woe unto you who call good evil and evil good. Now look at John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge. Oh, is that red letters? Take it off the, the thing right there. Can they see that's red letters? Take it off the highlight. Can you all see that's red? I don't know if you all can see that. Go up a little. You see there's black there and there's red. See, that's actually Jesus talking. That's Jesus talking. Hold on. But I thought Jesus is, just said don't judge lest you be judged. But now here he says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. When the Jewish people judged Jesus and condemned him to death to be crucified, was that a good judgment or a false judgment? They judged Jesus falsely, didn't they? How did they judge Jesus? By what? Appearances. Did they judge correctly? How many are up this afternoon? Do you think it was a good idea for Jewish people to crucify Jesus? No, they judged incorrectly. Now go back to the notes, please. Jesus is rebuking these Jewish leaders and people like them who judge incorrectly, who call good evil and evil good, who condemn what God approves and approve what God condemns. They falsely judged Jesus and had him crucified. They also falsely persecuted the disciples. Therefore, Jesus is warning them that if they condemn people unrighteously by their unrighteous standards, then they themselves will be condemned. So think about how this applies to our life. If I am judging you, unrighteously, then I will be punished for it. But if I speak God's word to you, I am not judging you. The judge has already spoken. I'm just telling you what he said. 
Because if judging you means can't preach to you, then why am I here to make disciples and do any of this? And look at it this way. At the end of the passage, Jesus says, don't give what's holy to dogs or to pigs. Hold on, Jesus. How do I know who a dog or a pig is if I don't judge them? But you just told me not to judge. Some of your noodles are getting fried right now. Jesus just said, don't judge. But by the end of the passage, he says, now don't give dogs what is sacred. Now don't give pigs what is holy. Well, who's a pig? I have to make a judgment. Who's a dog? I have to make a judgment. But I thought you just told me, Jesus, not to judge. Ah, when I put the Bible together, I see that Jesus is teaching me not to judge by my own standards, but he's teaching me to judge and make decisions by his standards and not by appearances. And then when I give righteous judgment, it's not Joe's judgment, it's actually God's judgment. Now look at the next part. Don't be a speck inspector with a plank in your eye. Jesus also rebuked the Jewish hypocrisy of that day because they were blind leaders trying to lead the blind, but yet they didn't want to work on themselves. They wanted to tell everybody else to do, but they themselves weren't doing it. Now, does Jesus say, since you've got a speck, a plank in your eye, they've got a, plank, a speck in their eye, that you should just all walk around speck-eyed, plank-eyed, and leave it all alone? No. What does he say? Take the plank out of your eye so you can get the speck out of your neighbor's eye. So some people who are like, see, you know, I got a speck in my eye. You got a plank in your eye, so leave me alone. No, I'm not supposed to leave you alone. The ultimate thing that's supposed to happen is I'm supposed to get the plank out of my eye so that we can help you get the speck out of your eye. Neither the plank eye nor the speck eye are supposed to stay the way they are. So that's another misinterpretation. Who are you to judge me? Don't judge me. Well, I thought you are judging me by saying don't judge you. You know, imagine a police officer pulling you over for speeding, and he says, I got you clocked at 80 miles an hour in a 50-mile-an-hour zone. Don't you judge me. Who are you to judge me, police officer? Nobody's perfect. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Is that how God wants us to live? When parents discipline their children, you were supposed to be home at 10. You were supposed to be home at 10. Maybe I'll make it easier, curfew parents. You were supposed to be home at 6. You were supposed to be home at 6, and now it's 10. Does, does the child have the right to point back to the parent? Don't you judge me. Are you perfect, mom? Are you perfect, dad? Don't you judge me. Or, or when someone comes alongside of you and wants to help you live for God. Oh, I, I see, brother, that you're struggling in this area. Can I encourage you to be free from pornography, free from cursing, free from addiction? Oh, you, you've got a plank in your eye. You're a plank eye. You know what? You're, you're so blind with the plank in your eye, you can't help me. Well, hold on. What plank do I have in my eye? Oh, you're prideful. Okay, Lord, forgive me of my pride. Is the pride gone now? Because I want to get to your speck. It's not just supposed to be like, plank eye, get away from me. No, if I actually have a plank in my eye, I need to get it out of my eye, and we need to get back to your speck. It's like when you argue in a marriage, and I know many of you have done this or in relationships. Sometimes the one that's actually upset ends up getting in trouble, and it turns the plate on them. Let me give you an example. With, uh, it turns back on them. So let's say I come home expecting my wife to do something. And I come home and say, it's dinner, right? And I come home, and the dinner is not served. And I say to my wife, honey, 
you know, I asked you to have dinner, right? Now, just, just give me all the grace in the world, right? Now, let's pretend I do it perfectly, right? I go, honey, you know, I know you got four kids. You're busy, you know, but you, but you still said, you said, you said dinner would be ready. And I, and I say it right. Well, if she goes, well, you didn't make the bed last night. Well, hold on. <laughs> How am I now getting corrected? It wasn't about me making the bed. This discussion was about the dinner. And we call that in marriage correcting the corrector. That when the person comes up to correct, you can't deflect with another correction and expect to get out of it. We say in marriage counseling, the first one to bring it up gets the right to solve their problem first. So if she didn't bring up to me making the bed, now bringing up the bed is not the right time when I'm bringing up the dinner. Are you with me? Because, I, I mean, this was my issue. It wasn't an issue to you. Obviously, you didn't bring it up. You can't deflect now. It's got to be on you in this issue. And the same thing happens when we preach to people. You know, we want to come preach to them. Hey, Jesus loves you. has a plan for your life. You know, don't live in adultery. Don't curse. Don't steal. Don't lie. All this. Oh, yeah, but all you churches take money. All you churches just hold on. When did we start talking about televangelism? <laughs> And what fruits, nuts, and flakes granola Christians do. We're not having a discussion on the wider body of Christ right now and how we can become a better Christian movement. We're talking about you and your foul mouth. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're, if, if you want to deal with this first, then we'll deal with hypocrisy in the church. I'm with you. Okay, there's hypocrisy in the church. But, but that's not the issue right now. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. Don't let people get you out of helping them, even if you have mistakes in your life, still fix what's in your life and go help others. And then, well, turn there with me quickly to Matthew 15. I'm just teasing. I'm sorry. We don't got enough time for that. Let's go to point number three, because I got so much I got to share today. Then Jesus says, don't give what's sacred to pigs or dogs. He directs our attention after just telling us not to judge, but he now directs our attention to judge people in life who are going to be like pigs and dogs. Could you have been more insulting? If you had a choice of being called an animal, would you want to be called a pig or a lion? Right? Probably a lion. If you had the choice between being like a leopard or a dog, what would you want to be? You know, most of us, see, like in Jewish context, dogs were wild, and they just ran around. By the way, this is how it was in New Orleans. I don't know what was going on there, but they just let them run wild. You'd have to throw sticks at them because they would almost want to eat you. It was crazy, you know what I'm saying? And I think it was kind of funny, too, because one time I was in Mexico, and there was horses walking around, too. I was like, hey, that's better than dogs walking. I was just, remember, wherever Ishmael is at, do you remember us walking down there? It was just a random horse. And I was just like, man, I just want to take a picture with me and this horse. But anyways, that's cool. That's a horse. But dogs in New Orleans, they're dirty. They're mangy. They eat garbage. They live like the pigs. You understand? This is not a compliment. That's what it was in Jesus' day, very dirty animals. But why is he telling us that there's people like this in our life? Because there's those who mock the gospel who blaspheme the Lord's name, take his name in vain, and they only are there to waste our time. And they really don't want to change. They really don't want to learn. And Jesus is saying we need to make a judgment not to give what's holy to them. The book of Proverbs talks about this all the time. Turn with me to one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 12.1. If anybody here is into arts and crafts, can you make this on a pillow for me? You know, there's, you know, ladies have like these frilly pillows and Bible verses, you know. Um, 
If you're into making magnets or buttons, please make this into a magnet or button for me. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Does anybody remember the day of life verses when you used to go to church? Like, what's your life verse? Like, what's your, like this is my life verse right here. And I'm waiting for it to come up on the big screen anytime you guys are ready. Proverbs 12, verse 1. Look at what, look at what uh, Solomon said about us discerning the kind of people we're talking about. Jesus said they're kind of like dogs and pigs. Solomon has a way of bringing it out in clarity that you can truly understand this. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. I want that as a life verse. That's mine as a pastor. You guys are getting scared right now. Don't get scared. It's, it's a confession, okay? I want it on a pillow. I want it on a magnet. I want it a bumper sticker. Because this is the part about my life I don't understand as a pastor. When you came to me looking for advice and you were an adultery, what did you think I was going to say, Bubba? I was going to tell you, stop doing it, you know, because you're in sin and you're on your way to hell. Then when you don't want to stop adultery, you're stupid. Oh, my gosh. It's just I'm preaching to two youth over here. That's the Bible. This is the Bible. Jesus is saying the same thing. Don't give the dogs and pigs what is holy. You have to understand when you're dealing with somebody that is stupid, you have to understand when you're dealing with people that don't want to listen. Go to Proverbs 17, verse 10 for another encouraging scripture. Proverbs, verse 10, will encourage you today. It will bless your heart. One of my other life verses. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 10. Then we're going to tie it together with some applications because I don't want to judge falsely. I want to judge righteously. I don't want to be a hypocrite, and I don't want to be a dog or a pig. Is anybody else with me on that? You want to be who Christ called you to be. You truly want to help others, right? You want to help others, and you want to know who to spend your time with, who to truly invest your life with. Here it is. A rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes a fool. So how do I know I'm talking to somebody wise in the church? So let's say there's a situation that came up, some brothers or sisters, you know, they're in the church, you know, adults, but we, you know, we call them as family, brothers and sisters. Let's say they're fighting, and I get involved, and I'm like, okay, brother, you need to humble yourself to this brother. Let's not take it out in the back parking lot for a UFC fight, you know. And let's just say the other brother, he just curses me out and all that. I am like, he is a fool. I could take off my belt and whip him a hundred times, and he still wouldn't get the point because he doesn't get it here or here. Are you all with me? Did I make this up, or is this the Bible? Okay. But if I'm talking to the two brothers, these two men that were fighting and arguing, and the one goes, hey, that makes sense, Pastor. I get what you're saying. We shouldn't have fight, man. I forgive this brother. It impresses him. He's, he's like, man, I'm going to listen to that. Man, I don't want to do that. You're right. The Bible says he is a wise person. Look at you another proverb, Proverbs 23. Or verse uh, 26, verse 4. Proverbs 26, verse 4. This is God's plan for us. It matters in relationships how we treat people and how we look at the world. How many want to make the right judgment when you're picking a babysitter? How many want to make the right judgment when you're picking a job? How many want to make the right judgment in who you let your children hang out with? So does Jesus just want us to say, oh, I can't judge nobody. Here, babysitter, you look crazy, but you can watch my kids, you know? What if we started, like, like 
asking you to join us on a commune. Shouldn't you judge your church at some points? Like, don't judge religious people. No, like, judge us by the word of God. All right? But don't judge me by your opinion. Like, I'm just waiting for the first person to say, my path are growing long hair. What's up with that guy growing long hair? Pastors shouldn't have long hair. Then I just want to pull up a picture of Jesus, the one with long hair, and be like, what do you think? I'm just being like Jesus. But I'm sure now it's not long hair. Now it's like, you see the pastor? He's wearing shorts. He's wearing shorts. Can you believe it? It's 90 degrees outside. The air conditioning is ghetto up in this thing, and he's wearing shorts. He should be wearing a three-piece suit. That's how I want my pastor to dress. But that's, see, that's a false, that's a judgment by appearances. That's the same kind of mindset that Jewish people had, and they crucified Jesus. They judged Jesus by appearances and said, hey, let's crucify him. So what does religion do with hard hearts? It kills people. And look at this scripture right here, Proverbs 26, 4, and then I believe I'll be free after this as a pastor. Proverbs 26, 4, don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Have you ever noticed after about two or three chats on Facebook you're talking to a fool? Have you ever been in one of those Facebook chats, you know? For me, it's about the Bible, so it would be like, you know, you know I believe in Jesus. Oh, Jesus is just a fairy tale. Uh, no, he's not. He's attested to in history. Here's some historians. You can look them up, Pliny, you know, and all of these people. Well, I think those guys are dumb, and you guys are just fruits, you know, whatever. Okay, I'm praying for you. I'm loving for you. Well, I'll F you and have you like this. At this point, at this point, I'm thanking God for the block button because I am going to get free from your stupidity. And the Bible says that I don't have to be around your stupidity. I don't have to keep throwing out pearls to you being a, well, just keep wasting time with me, pastor. No, I'm not. I'm going to take my pearls and give them to this man of God, this woman of God, this person that will listen and will obey, and I'm going to spend my time with them. You don't see Jesus continually wasting his time with people who don't listen and want to follow. It doesn't mean we don't preach to sinners. Of course we do. But there's ornery sinners who just want to pick a fight, and then there's ones who want to listen. You've got to ask yourself, who am I dealing with here? Let's read the passage again because I think some of you all think I'm making some of it up. Let's just go back to the whole thing. Don't judge or you too will be judged. For the same way in which you judge others, you will be judged, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. That makes sense. Now when it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when the whole time there's a plank in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then just sit around and be all by yourself? No. And then you will clearly see how to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You got an assignment to do. And don't give to dogs what is sacred or pearls to pigs. Otherwise, they will trample them under their feet and tear you to pieces. Now, I want to help you understand how the Bible harmonizes scriptures. Go with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to show you how to understand your Bible, even if I wasn't here as your healthy, handy-dandy pastor. 1 John chapter 2 gives us a clear command from Jesus concerning the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. I want to show you how to understand your Bible. It's going to 
maybe fry those noodles a little bit, but hang in there because you're going to get free. Watch this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Now go to, first, now go to John 3.16. This said, don't love the, don't love the, now go to John 3.16. Same author, same author, don't love the, okay, John 3.16, for God so loved the, uh-oh, what's going on? What's going on here? Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. Another place Jesus says, judge, judge, judge. What's, what's going on? One place it says, don't love the world. Don't love the world. Another place, God loves the world. God loves the world. What's happening? What we're learning is the context matters. When you go back, you don't have to turn there. We'll stay here. But when you're looking at 1 John 2.15, don't love the world or anything in the world, it then defines what the world is. For everything in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but is of the world. So what the Bible is telling us not to love in the world is the world of sin. When God says in John 3.16, he so loves the world, he's not saying he loves sin, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. He's saying he loves people in the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world, right? So you have to understand what is the context Otherwise, the Bible will contradict itself. When we go to the passage, do not judge or you will be judged, it then clarifies. Because by the same measure you judge, it will be measured back to you. Then in John 7, 24, it says, don't judge by appearances, but make a righteous judgment. So what kind of judging am I doing? A righteous judging. What kind of judging am I not doing? An unrighteous mere appearance judging where I switch good for evil. Hello, did y'all learn something? And this is where we get the understanding, love the sinner, hate the sin. See, we don't love the world, the sin, but we love the world, the people. We don't judge by clothes and dress and by cultural differences. We don't judge by religious things man makes up, otherwise we'll be condemned too. But we judge by the word of God. We teach the word of God. We help people understand it. And if we fail in it, we correct ourselves and then help people. So before I come to you to help get out the specs, I wanted to make sure the plank was out back there. It doesn't mean I stay back there with the plank and you stay up here with the speck. No, we do both. Get rid of the plank, get rid of the speck. Amen. Come on, somebody. Let me give you some. Oh, you all excited, huh? Learn something today in church. You're going to, like, show one of your friends. Let me show you something here real quick. Don't love the world, love the world. What does it mean? Ah, my pastor told me. Look quickly with me to Proverbs. Once again, an awesome Proverbs, but this time nine Verses 8 through 9. Proverbs 9, 8 through 9. And I think we'll get to a conclusion here today. It's a wonder what happens to my preaching schedule once I get hot. <laughs> it's like, man, about a half hour, I'm done, guys. <laughs> you know, like in the middle of the winter, I'm just preaching and preaching and preaching. Right now, you, you don't want to know what's going on, but literally, man, I am like dripping sweat right now. Half hour messages sound just perfect. 
Look at this Proverbs 9, 8 through 9. I love the way Solomon sums it up. We, we heard some of the harsher things, but listen to this great overview of today's lesson. Don't rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Somebody say, make it plain. Amen. Let me give you three applications now. Number one, as we look at what Jesus is telling us, I believe he's saying judge righteously. Make the right kind of judgment. Use, how, use the Bible like how the disciples did and how he did to discern good and evil. Use that in your everyday life. Babysitting, jobs, friends for your children, friends for yourself, your hobbies, what you spend your money on. Judge righteously as Jesus taught. Number two, remove specks with clear vision. So let God remove the planks out of your eye so that you can be a blessing and a benefit to this nation. I'm not saying that I haven't had specks in my eyes recently. I'm just saying it's been a long time since I had a plank, since I had something that was so controlling that I couldn't be used by God. Some of you have those kinds of sins in your life. It's like until you get over this, people won't really respect you. But I'm here to encourage you, you can get over it today. Like how much longer do you want the plank in your eye? That's what Jesus came to do. And then teach the teachable. We should always preach the word wherever we go. But once someone has fully rejected it and continued to mock it, it's one thing to not understand it and to need more explanation. Trust me, I love those discussions. They don't have to start off believing everything I say. But there's a difference in their attitude of that and mocking and disrespecting. I want you to see two main passages of this. First, turn with me to 2 Timothy 3.16. Somebody say, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet. Now the other 90% of the congregation, let's say it together. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet. Thank you. 2 Timothy 3.16. This is going to show you how to do this. 2 Timothy 3.16. Vinny, would you come, please? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for making people feel good, helping them make lots of money. Is that what it says? Uh, all scripture is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So think about coming here with a four-course meal. Our church is dedicated to using the Word of God to teach you. That's to show you stuff you didn't know. I think you just learned something with 1 John 2.15 and John 3.16, right? You just learned something about Matthew 7 and John 7 about judging righteously and judging by your own standards. You're learning, teaching. That's also in our discipleship, one-on-one. -on -one. Now it says rebuking. At times in the teaching, you're going to be told to stop doing things. So maybe you're going to get taught about marriage, and you're not married, but you're living with your partner. The rebuke is going to come. Stop doing that. Don't do it. Rebuke means to stop, to command someone to stop. You may have these planks in your eye, and someone who's used to have a plank in their eye but doesn't anymore is going to help you get it out. Number three, it's going to correct you. We're not just here to shout at you and say, stop this, stop this. We're here to teach it, tell you to stop it, but then correct you as you begin to live it out. 
It's like my GPS. Sometimes I miss a turn, and then it goes calculating, calculating, and then it gives me a new set of directions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It corrects my path. That's what the Christian life is like. You you know what you're supposed to do. You're being told not to do the bad stuff, but we, we still get off track sometimes, don't we? And we're supposed to be corrected. Oh, come on, just take a turn right here. You'll be back on track. Change that attitude. You'll be back on track. That's the word of God. And then training in righteousness, that whole process of teaching, rebuking, correcting, teaching, rebuking, correcting is doing what? Training you. It's like going to the gym. I'm teaching you how to lift weights, telling you to stop doing it the wrong way, watching you and correcting you doing it the right way. While you're doing that, you're getting trained. In what? Wickedness? Getting trained how to continue in your sin because we're all sinners and we get forgiven because God loves us. We're so cute. No, you're getting trained in righteousness. You're getting trained to live like how he commanded you to live. He's showing you through the word of God. Now let's keep going. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in viewing of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Just tell everybody you love them. Is that what he says? He said, now in, appear, and now in regards to Jesus coming and judging us, being the final judge, what are we supposed to do? Preach the word. Say it again. Preach the word. So are we supposed to wait for angels to do this? People who have never had specks or planks in their eyes to come do this? No, he's waiting for us to come do this and to do it with each other, with our family. Who's going to correct, teach, rebuke, and train your family? You. You may be the only witness on your job, in your community. We're here all to do this. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. How many times has God caught you off guard with the time to preach? You're like, whoa, how did that just happen? And God's like, ha ha, I just set that up. You know? I'm telling you, I've had it happen. Like I'm at the post office, like I'm all busy doing stuff. All of a sudden, somebody asks me a question. I'm talking to them, and then before you know it, I'm preaching, and I'm like, how did that even happen? And God's like, boom, out of season. Be ready, Joe. You never even know. I can blow your mind right now. Glenn Boom Boom Badonsky, who's coming here in July, was canceling his cell phone service. Canceling. And where do most calls now in America get routed for those kind of companies? India, talking to a man from India. While he's talking to the man, God gives him something to preach to him. God then blesses this man so tremendously, he gets Glenn's number, writes it down. He then hangs up the phone. They finish their business. The man goes to his dad and says, this is what this man from America preached to me that blew me away. It blew his dad away, who happened to be a pastor, and then said, this is a word from God I've been waiting to hear from someone from America. Call him back up and ask him to come. You can talk to Glenn when he comes. It will blow your mind. He's been doing this now for almost 10 years in India because of this. Glenn gets on a plane based on the conversation with the man he had never met because the pastor calls him, but yet he believes this is a word from God. He's been going there now 10 years helping the church grow, doing crusades all over India, and has established a church with a building for that pastor and a Bible college through the School of Urban Missions. All because he was ready to preach when he was on the phone canceling his cell phone service. That will just blow your mind what God can do through you. One more story. I had just lost my sister. I was out to eat. 
And the man that was the waiter was having a terrible day. And before you know it, I'm just preaching to him. One of my greatest tools of evangelism is to say to the waiter, we're about ready to eat. We're going to pray for the meal. Is there anything we can pray for you about? It's just anything. And they'll tell you, you know, this is pray for this. Oh, no, I'm okay. And, and, and that's fine. But he said, pray for me. I just lost my sister. And I said, man, I, you know, I just can't believe it. I lost mine. You lost yours. Let's pray for this. And we began to pray. I began to preach to him. I left him my number. A couple weeks later, he calls me up. He says, this is Mike, the guy you prayed for. I didn't tell you this, but I'm also on drugs. I'm on crack. I live at the hotel and then come here and work. Will you help me? I said, sure, come to my house. He came to my house, gave his heart to the Lord. We brought him to a drug rehab like Teen Challenge. I then moved to Chicago, hadn't seen him for years. When Katrina happened and I was down there doing Katrina relief work, I see a guy driving a fork truck with all the food. All of a sudden, he jumps off, runs to me, gives me a hug, and says, I'm Mike, the guy you helped from the restaurant. I've been serving God all these years. You see, if I was just a guy walking around with a big plank in my eye, I couldn't help others. But God uses people like us. So be ready in season, out of season. And he repeats it, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So we're not saying, you know, if you don't want Jesus, we don't want you. No, I mean, we're going to be patient. We're going to be careful. We're not calling every unbeliever a dog and a pig, but if you cross that line, you would start insulting my family. You start degrading the name of Christ. You start just wasting. I'm going to go on to someone else, but I'll be patient with you as long as it takes. Now listen to this warning. For the time will come. This is 2,000 years ago. The time will come when people will not pit up with sound doctrine anymore. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to be heard, want to be said. In this generation, you and I can make a difference, but we have to be ready with God's Word. Let's not get consumed with whether or not women wear pants or not or what kind of, you know, hobbies people have. Let's not judge young people by styles of music. Do they like rap or this? Let's make righteous judgments in this world based on the Word of God. Let's help take specks out of people's eyes so they can see better. And let's avoid the pitfalls of discouragement with dogs and pigs who don't really want to hear and find those like Mike, my waiter, like this man on the telephone with Glenn, and find those that we can pour our life into and make a difference. Can you stand up and give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you want to do it? Amen? We want to do it, Jesus. We want to make a difference. Would you just pray with me now? Father, we want to make a difference. We don't want to just sit as this world goes to hell in a handbasket and do nothing. We don't want to let the world raise our children. God, we want to be righteous in a world of unrighteousness. Help us to be like you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, let's just go through those three main points and look at our hearts as the band come and comes and altar workers come. Let's just think of these first things. Number one, have you made unrighteous judgments lately? Have you started judging by mere appearances? Have you been a messy person that makes messes? Ask the Lord to forgive you of that right now. I know some people have come from very religious churches where they were taught that way. But you know that's not the kind of fruit you want to bear is that judgmental, prideful spirit. Come on, just ask God to forgive you. I know I used to be like that in some ways. 
Now, if you have been falsely judged, maybe you're from another church or you've known other Christians, and they just kept beating you up over those kinds of things. They didn't really help you. They weren't really encouraging you, instructing you. They just kept judging you, and, and you know, you just felt condemned. You never felt that you could live it out. Would you ask the Lord right now to make you better instead of bitter? So whether or not you've made false judgments or been falsely judged, would you just talk to the Lord? And ask him to make your heart right. Lord, I pray as a church we judge righteously, not unrighteously. I pray we love what you love, hate what you hate. That we love people and hate sin. Help us to know the difference, God. To be patient with people, to love them. Now number two, have you been walking around with a plank in your eye? And you've been hypocritically trying to tell others what to do? Would you repent of that right now, of that hypocrisy? And then ask God to take the plank out of your eye. The Bible says that we should live lives among the people of this world that if they try to look for something to discredit us, they can't really find it. So if there's like this glaring issue in your life that even non-Christians keep bringing up because they don't have respect for your message, don't be a hypocrite. Ask God to change you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed right now, hypocrites are not those who God is changing. Hypocrites are those who don't think they need to change but think others do. That's a big difference. Because if, you know, if hip hypocrisy was just people with mistakes working on their issues, then the whole world would be hi hypocrites. But that's not the definition. The definition of hypocrisy is, oh, I don't need to change, but you do. If you've been acting that way, I ask the Lord to forgive you. If you've been a byproduct of hypocrisy and you've seen hypocrisy in the church, you've seen it among maybe your family, those you respect or love, and it's hurt you, once again, just like we did before, a false judgment, would you ask God to heal your heart? Say, Lord, heal my heart. Lord, I know man's hurt me, but that wasn't you. Show me your great love again, Jesus. You'd be surprised how many people come to our church that have been falsely judged or have had to deal with hypocrites. I just want people to get free on this word today, saints. Let's get free from false judgment and hypocrisy, whether we've done it or whether or not we've been a part of it. And lastly, let's pray this out about the dogs and the pigs. Ask the Lord right now to give you discernment of how to discern who you're talking to when you're sharing the faith. If I could ask the band just to come down a little bit, please, because I just want this meditation to be focused. Ask God to show you. Who are those you just need to do what the Bible says uh, to the apostles, to shake the dust off and just bid them God bless you? The Bible says sometimes uh, uh, to the disciples, you'll come to towns, they won't listen to you, shake the dust off your feet, bid, bid them God bless you and move on. You may have co-workers like this, and I'm assuming this would be the minority of people in our life because most people aren't this ornery, but you may have a few, and I want to pray for you in this. Just for God to let you know it's okay to not come under their judgment every time you're with them. I remember a new believer was in our church, and they were helping this one homeless person. 
And the homeless person just kept badgering them. And then when they couldn't answer the phone, you know, this person had a full-time job. And when they couldn't be there at their every beckoning call, they just kept putting them down. You're not a Christian. You're not there for me. And it cost a man his walk with God. He literally stopped walking with the Lord because he said, if this is how I have to be treated and daily deal with it, I can't deal with it. No one ever taught him that there's people that Jesus said you still love but you just stop throwing stuff their way. I mean, that's Jesus, guys. I can't tell it to you any plainer. And I want to give you the permission for some of you to give them the gift of goodbye. The best thing my mom did for a blaspheming teenager who was me was kick me out and say, I'm done. You've gone to Sunday school. You've gone to church. I'm kicking you out. You're on your own now until you realize how dirty you are. Because what happens when dogs and pigs are all by themselves dirty? They get what they want. And if a Christian lives like that, the Bible says the prodigal son lived with the pigs. At some point, he got tired of it and said, I'm going to come back home. And that's the only hope we can have for them. They'll get tired of their own stink and wretchedness as we pray and keep loving them. We don't do them harm. We don't call them a dog or a pig. We're like, you're a dog, and I'm Jesus said, I don't got to be with you. No, we pray for them and love them. Come on, 30 more seconds. I release some of you from hindering relationships. Be free from them. And if you have been a hinderer to other people, repent right now. If you've been that, just that rebellious teenager, we got young people here that generally may fit into your category. If you've been rebellious to the youth pastor, rebellious to your parents, rebellious to your teachers, repent. If you're a young adult, you're going through that time, I'm my own person, repent. And now in closing, let us ask the Lord to use us to preach his word in season and out of season. Would you just raise your hands with me and just say, Lord, use me. Ben, would you sing something prophetic over them? What I mean by prophetic is something not just written on the screen, but something from the very heart of God, a spontaneous song that will symbolize what we're trying to do here. A prayer through their song right now. Come on, just from your heart. Teach us to Jesus. Church, join with me. Use me, God. Use me, God. Ask the Lord to use you to preach His Word. Hallelujah. Help us to be the people that make a difference. Where wisdom comes from our mouth. The gospel can be heard. Lives can be saved. Our children can be raised up. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to pray for their family right now. Use me, God, in my family. Use me to speak your word in season and out of season. Somebody needs to pray for their job right now that God will use you there. You may work with a lot of potty mouth people, but God can use you and transform those people. Jesus, who's going to pray for Chicago today? That God will use us to be shining lights in this city. Shining lights for you, God. The salt of the earth. Fifteen more seconds. We're pressing in. We're pressing in. These are the words of the Master. These are the words of our Savior. We take them seriously today. We won't misuse them, misinterpret them, abuse them. We will live by them. We will put them into practice as disciples. And by God's grace, we will do it all the days of our life. Woo! Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. If you're going to preach God's word, can I hear an amen? Amen. Can we bless the Lord right now? Praise God. Would you just hold somebody's hand next to you and just look at them right now and say, Neighbor, don't you judge me unless you give me the judgment of the Bible. <laughs> don't you judge me by your judgment. But if I got a speck in my eye, brother, come help me. Amen. Ishmael, you had a great word today, and that was that our sin was dealt with on the cross. Would you pray that blessing over us in light of this message that we won't be sin conscious, we'll be Jesus conscious. And we'll point people, not just point out people's sins, but we'll point people to a Savior who forgives sins. Wow, thank you, God. God, I pray that our eyes would not be inverted to our sin, God, but that they would focus on your righteousness and the righteousness that you've given us, God. We no longer claim ownership of sin right now. In Jesus' name, we claim ownership of holiness, purity, righteousness, and we love the gospel. We love the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets sinners free, God. I pray, God, that we would not judge unrighteously by mere appearances, Lord, but that we would judge righteously, God, righteously, Lord, and that our sword, that our sword of judgment would be your word. Our sword of judgment would be the gospel, and we would cut off chains, that we would cut off blindness, God, that we would cut off all wickedness, Lord. And set people free by your word. Not by our opinions, God, but by what you have done. And you have dealt with sin, Lord. Let that be our message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, preach the word. Amen. You are dismissed. Enjoy your week. Have a great 4th of July. If you need prayer for anything today, can we pray for you as the band sings? Prayer for healing with your marriage, your family, anything in your life, maybe salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit.